Thank you for joining today's Carter Logistics Wheels in Motion podcast. My name is Rich Kenny, one of the sales managers of the Carter Logistics sales team. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Ms. Cece Corley. She's our new Midwest sales manager. She's with us from her Michigan office. Cece's joining me via the Teams meetings today. And our subject is the chip shortage in automotive. How can we be prepared for the shortage effects in 2021? I'd like to first explain some chip history to our Wheels in Motion's audience. The transistor's invention in 1948 led to semiconductor research in 1956 and then integrated circuits in 1959. In 1967, a calculator was invented using the IC, which led to the LSI in the 80s, and then the system LSI, which is a large-scale integrated circuit that's used today. Many LSIs or chips are made in Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, and the Netherlands, as well as here in the United States. And chip sales globally are totaling over $400 billion. So firstly, CC, can you review with our audience your position at Carter Logistics and also explain the amount of time you've spent in the industry and how long you've been working with automotive and electronics goods clients? Yes, thank you, Rich. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm new to Carter. I have just been with Carter a little over four weeks right now. I come to Carter with uh, 20 years experience uh, in uh, supply chain and logistics, having worked with UPS and business development for that length of time. My last eight years or so with uh, UPS, I managed our tier one and tier two automotive suppliers. And so I had an opportunity to really learn about the ever-changing supply chain and the difficulties of the supply chain dealing strictly with the automotive uh, uh, automotive clients. Well, that's great. Now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, of course, and uh, the effects of the pandemic are really something that everybody's watching very carefully. How did this affect the current shortage of computer chips that are used by automotive suppliers and also by the OEMs? Oh, absolutely. It was a tremendous impact, and it's going to be felt for some time, according to a lot of uh, industry experts, Rich. First of all, there are many reasons uh, why while there, why there is a shortage of the semiconductor chips, uh, anywhere from tariffs by uh, the Trump administration uh, to poor planning by the OEMs and the suppliers. And then finally, the pandemic really was the nail in the coffin, if you will. When the, fan- when the pandemic first uh, launched, uh, most of the automakers auto canceled their orders for these semiconductor chips in anticipating that there would be a tremendous slowdown in car sales. Unfortunately, a few months into uh, the pandemic, they were wrong and they realized they were wrong, but unfortunately it was too late. They found out that people actually wanted to buy cars and this was somewhere around July, August last year when it really started to turn and people were starting to buy automobiles. But again, as I mentioned a second ago, it was too late for the automakers to make any recovery because as you can imagine, Rich, uh, during the pandemic, we had a lockdown in the, the first several months of the pandemic which allowed most people who were able to to work at home, which caused an increase in smart tablet sales, 
laptop cells and everything that folks needed to work at home. So the priority for the chips went with the uh, infotainment makers, if you will, instead of the automakers. So the automotive companies are still trying to recoup. And if we look at the whole process, CC, of obtaining a computer chip, we've got to look at not only domestic supply chains, but the international supply chain is a very important component. With your experience, can you explain how a shipment of chips built in Asia will end up at an automotive supplier in Michigan? Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, prior prior to the pandemic, most OEMs and their suppliers would order these semiconductor chips from uh, one of four large semiconductor makers, and three of those are located in Asia. And actually, one of those auto, um, sorry, one of those semiconductor uh, manufacturers gets about 60% of the orders from the OEMs and from the from the uh, suppliers. Well, again, prior to the pandemic, all they would do was make their orders. Uh, it would come over via slow boat from China, if you will. And uh, uh, once it once it uh, got uh, to uh, America, different modes of transportation was used to get to the end user, whether that was the OEMs or the suppliers. Uh, they would then use those custom semiconductors uh, in the automobiles and any that were left, they just simply stored them. And uh, over the weekend, I had the uh, pleasure of taking a look at some of the cars from the 50s and 60s at a vintage car show. Today, a lot of us own newer cars and trucks, and we probably don't really realize how important the car's computer brain is to controlling all the functions. Are there a lot of electronics in a vehicle now, and is this why the shortest is really affecting auto manufacturers? Oh, absolutely, Rich. You'd be surprised to know, at least I know I was surprised to find out, that the typical new car today has over 1,400 chips. Uh, when the chips uh, shortage first uh, was made aware to the public, I was thinking, oh, it was one chip that was missing, right? Okay. No, we're talking 1,400 chips uh, for an average typical uh, new vehicle. So again, the the impact is great. And I want to go back to something you asked me a little while ago, go Rich. I I kind of left that short. Um, the three Michigan-based automakers really have been hit the hardest uh, with the chip shortage. And so we're talking a Ford is leading, unfortunately, leading the charge uh, with almost 325. Uh, thousand units uh, that uh, will be held back from production. GM follows that with about 256,000 units. Uh, and then Stellantis uh, brings up the rear with about 252,000 uh, automobiles that will not be in production due to the shortage. So as I mentioned a minute ago, there are 1,400 chips in each, in each of the vehicles. What some of the automakers are doing, and I'll focus on GM right now to kind of to, to kind of the less lessen the pain, if you will, with uh, having the shortage, a lot of them are just making some minor adjustments, some minor tweaks, if you will, to the cars that they will start producing again. Uh, most of them are their uh, large SUVs uh, or their pickup trucks. And what they're going to do, they're going to turn off the stop start um, uh, that it's currently in the automobiles. And a lot of, in case you don't know what that is, uh, when you are in one of their SUVs, if you stop at a stoplight, for instance, the car, the automobile will stop and that's to save energy. And then once you accelerate, the, the automobile will start again. Well, that will be turned off with the newest models. 
uh, again, for those large SUVs and their pickup trucks. And as an incentive, they're not getting $50 off of the MSRP. And we have uh, right now our, uh, an economy that's really recovering. And with that recovery comes a demand on imported goods. So we have people going to the big box retailers, buying a lot of goods. We also have automobile buyers out there in the market looking. Well, you think this import increase is going to make bringing the chips into the OEM plants a bit of a problem? Oh, yes. But I, I got to tell you, the imports have not been impacted as much as the three um, Michigan-based automakers that I mentioned earlier. Uh, just to give you, just to give you, for instance, uh, uh, we have Honda, Nissan, uh, Subaru, Toyota, and Volkswagen. Collectively, they are only going to shut down 20 to 46,000 units. And again, that's collectively. Uh, just compared to those uh, domestic numbers that I, I told you a little while ago, this pales in comparison. And um, uh, just for comparison purposes also, Volvo has had the least impact with only 1,287 units that will be impacted. So, um, again, all automakers have been impacted, but the domestic automakers have been impacted the most. And CC, you mentioned to me earlier that you were in the market for a new vehicle recently. And so since you've been out there on the lots, can you give our audience a feel for at the dealership level, how the chip shortage affected your purchase? Uh, what was the new vehicle inventory like that you saw on the lots? None. <laughs> there was really no inventory, Rich. Yeah, I, I've been in the market for a new car. I, I, I like to do my research and I really narrowed it down to two sedans, uh, one being the Genesis, uh, I think it was a V70, V80 and uh, the Cadillac CT5. Well, I made a, a visit to two of the Genesis dealerships uh, in the Metro Detroit area and one particular dealership had two on the lot and another didn't have any. Uh, so that made my decision to visit Cadillac uh, a, a, a lot easier. Uh, so I visit three different Cadillac um, uh, dealerships in the area. One dealership had eight on the lot, one had five and another had three. Um, I ended up buying my car, well actually leasing my car directly from the showroom floor. Uh, it was the featured car in the showroom. And so I, I, I told the, uh, the salesperson, if you can't get me that one, then I'll see you next year. So he was able to get that one. And I was really quite surprised. I, I was ex uh, really prepared to pay a lot more because of the lack of inventory. But um, I actually pay a lot less than I than I thought I would, which was a pleasant surprise. So if the dealership is having supply issues like this, uh, what do you think the latest forecast will be concerning the chip shortage uh, supply versus the current demand? Uh, can there be shortages or will there be a need for creative solutions to try to help the situation? Well, I'm going to refer to uh, Mario Morales. Uh, he's a program vice president of the semiconductor group at IDC. And he says that the, uh, the automotive market segment, which is still using legacy node technologies, are not only at the back of the line, and won't get the priority as would like smartphones or PCs or cloud infrastructure uh, would get. 
uh, and it'll take longer for the auto automakers to recover. He also goes on to say that the automotive industry can have many knots in the supply chain. And even if they could get chips to move upstream, it still is going to take months and months to reach the end product. But one thing uh, that, that he says to keep in mind is that he believes that the uh, shortage will start to have a, a, a less of an impact come third quarter this year when production really should start again. But things would be back to normal uh, until the first or second quarter of 2022. So we have a good feel for how things are now, especially with your examples on the dealership lot. Is there a consensus on the future outlook for the increased production of computer chips? And do you think some countries will be looking at near sourcing computer chips, whether it's the US, Mexico, Asia? Will they be looking to near source that product so it can come into the auto suppliers, the OEMs a little bit sooner? Oh, absolutely. And that started here in the U.S. right now, Rich. Uh, our Senate has um, approved a $50 billion plan to uh, manufacture, uh, to have companies manufacture semiconductor chips right here in the U.S. Uh, they are also investing $2 billion in um, uh, legacy semiconductors to bring those up to speed. So uh, it will perhaps prevent something like this from happening in the future. But keep in mind, uh, we're talking about infrastructure here. This is something that's not going to happen overnight, Rich. Uh, it's going to take some time to get those facilities up and running and get the production going. But at least we have a plan, right? We have a plan that uh, uh, the uh, investment in our from our, our government uh, that uh, this will not happen in the future. So I think we're looking at a bright shoot, uh, future when it comes to the uh, two semiconductors for the U.S. Well, Cece, this has been great. We really appreciate not only all the research that you've been able to bring to the table here to us, but also your own experience on the dealership lot. It's been great to hear about it. Can you give our audience a little bit of uh, information about how they can get in touch with you if they have a need for the various logistics services offered by Carter Logistics and Carter Express. Rich, thank you. I can be reached directly uh, via my email at ccorley at carter-express.com, or you can reach me directly on my cell phone at area code 765-623-2399. Great, Cece. I want to take this opportunity to thank you on behalf of our audience for this very useful information on the current state of the chip shortage in the United States and globally, how it's affecting the auto industry, and also for the insight you were able to give us on the consumer level as well on how this impacts us consumers at the local dealership lot today. On behalf of CC, I'm Rich Kenny, and I thank you for joining us on this Carter Logistics Wheels in Motion podcast. We look forward to providing additional informative podcasts from Carter Logistics in 2021. Thanks for listening to the Wheels in Motion podcast. If you have an idea for an upcoming podcast, please send your ideas to marketing at carter-express.com. Until next time.